morning. It's great to be back at our home church here at Hebron. And it was very nice of everyone to decorate the church for a Caribbean theme. <laughs> Appreciate that. I feel very much at home with coral reefs and fish all around me. But uh, it is wonderful to be here and, and I am honored to be able to bring God's word this morning. But before we do that, I would invite you to just bow with me and prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Uh, we have worshipped you. We have heard your word spoken. And now we will hear your word preached. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us as a congregation. We pray that you would speak to us as individuals. And that we would be strengthened, that we would be challenged, uh, that we would be formed in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me ask you a, a question just to start off. Have you ever answered the phone and regretted it? Yeah, lots of times. Have you ever been to a social event or maybe a family gathering and you ended bumping into that one person you were trying to avoid the entire evening? Ever happened? Ever happened at church? No, it doesn't happen at church. Have you ever heard the doorbell ring and you literally drop what you're doing because you think it's the Amazon guy with that thing you ordered like two hours ago that you're really excited about, only to find out that it's a salesman or maybe a little girl down the street trying to sell you those little Thin Mint cookies? It's sad that these days there's always something a little bit risky about doing something as simple as answering a phone from an unknown number opening a door, or having a simple conversation with somebody. Well, this morning, I want to take a look at three people in Scripture who heard the Lord calling, who heard the Lord knocking at the door of their heart, and rather than run away, or hang up the phone, or make excuses, each of these people responded with three very simple but life-changing words. And those words were, here I am. In each of these instances, when these words were spoken, we're going to see that lives were transformed, history was changed, we'll see that people were saved, and extraordinary things began to happen in the lives of these people and those around them. And most of all, what we're going to see is that when people respond to the Lord with the words, here I am, that God is glorified. Today I want to explore these stories because I believe that in them, there is something for each of us to remember in those moments when maybe God might be calling your name, or those moments when God might be knocking on the door of your heart, and you might be tempted to turn the other way, to hesitate, to make excuses, or maybe even to ignore that call altogether. Well, the first person in the scriptures that we come across that responded to the Lord's call with the words, here I am, is Abraham. And in Genesis 22, 1 to 4, we're told that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said what? Say it with me, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. 
And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. He cut wood for the burnt offering. He rose and he went to the place which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. Now notice in this passage how Abraham responded to God's seemingly impossible request to sacrifice his son. The very son that God had promised him would be his heir. We see in the scripture that rather than question the wisdom of God or refusing flat out, we see Abraham responds to the Lord wholeheartedly. And he does it without caution or without reservation. And we know that because in verse 3 we're told that, that Abraham does not hesitate. It says early in the morning. Signifying it was an immediate response. It was as quick as he could get to it. Early in the morning he rose and he saddled his donkey and he sets out with his servants and his son for the journey that was before him. It's interesting also in this passage we're told the detail that it took three days for him to get to the destination. I don't know about you, but I, I wonder as I read this, what thoughts might have been going through Abraham's mind as he was journeying during those three days? What would he be experiencing knowing that his end destination was the sacrifice of the son whom he loved? Maybe he was experiencing confusion as to whether that voice he heard, was that really the Lord? Or maybe it was just something in his head. Maybe he was experiencing anger that he was placed in an impossible situation. Perhaps he was questioning the goodness of God, the God that he had served his whole life, wondering if maybe this God he served really wasn't good at all because he was asking him to do something that seemed wrong. And we don't know for sure what Abraham was thinking. We don't know what he was feeling. But it's interesting, in the Bible, we do get insight to the conclusion that he came to in his mind. Because in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, verse 17 and 19, we're told this about Abraham in this situation. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And when Abraham was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said through Isaac shall be your offspring. And this is the point. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. In this verse, we see that Abraham fully intended to sacrifice his son because he believed that God had the power to raise him from the dead. And he thought that was the way that this story was going to play out. But that wasn't God's plan. Instead, we're told that Isaac was spared because at the last possible moment, the Lord stayed Abraham's hand and he provided in Isaac's place a substitute. He provided a ram that was caught in the bushes to be sacrificed in place of Isaac. It's notable many years later, 
God would provide another substitution, another sacrifice for the people of God. But this time it was not a ram caught in the bushes, but it was the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who willingly gave himself as a sin offering to save every one of us who would believe. In the story, we see that when we respond in faith to the Lord's instructions by saying, here I am, and we willingly walk by that same faith into unknown territory, the results can change us, just like they did for Abraham. When we walk in that kind of faith, we can be changed forever. In one giant act of faith, perhaps an act of faith involving believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, can lead to a lifetime of faithfulness. So I ask you, have you ever been placed in a situation like Abraham? Maybe not to sacrifice your prodigy, but you've been tested. You felt God calling you to step out into the unknown. Maybe right now, I would assume that there are some of us in your faith journey that God is calling you to take a step of faith to go to a place where you don't know the outcome, you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. It might even seem like something impossible that you do not have the ability or the skills or the resources to accomplish, but you sense that God is leading you there. If you allow me to share just a story about my own life, and some of you know this story well because you walked it with me. It was about 25 years ago that Kelly and I felt the Lord calling us to the mission field. We had been on several short-term trips to the Bahamas and elsewhere, and we had identified a community of people living in the Bahamas that had absolutely no youth ministry. We found ourselves uniquely equipped and passionate about young people, and we felt God was calling us to go. And we knew that this was something that was going to require of us great faith. We needed a lot of things to happen. We needed a U.S. mission agency to get behind us. We needed a sending church who would believe in us enough to send us out. We needed a, U a Bahamian mission organization who was willing to embrace us and sponsor us. We needed to raise a boatload of money, which as young college students and newlyweds, we did not have. We needed a place to live, and we needed uh, all of the things necessary to make this transition. We had no idea how the Lord was going to provide these things. But by God's grace, and through the encouragement of others, we said to the Lord, here I am. And we stepped out into that unknown. And many of you know our story and you know that because we said, here I am, Lord, the Lord has done great things. That hundreds have come to Christ. Ministry is now existing in the Bahamas on numerous islands that wouldn't probably exist. Thousands of young people are being impacted. People who have been impacted by hurricanes' lives are being restored. Hundreds of leaders who are Bahamian are trained and equipped to serve the people of their own nation. That's a little here I am story. We were young and we had no idea what God was doing, but he had a plan and he had selected us for whatever reason 
to be a part of that plan. And by faith, we said, here I am, Lord. That's my here I am story. I'd love to know what is yours. What is your faith-deepening experience that maybe you've had in your life where you stepped out in faith? Or maybe that, that story is still in the making and you have an opportunity to say to the Lord, here I am, and to step out and to watch how your faith can be deepened. That's the first scripture that we can look at and see God working in that kind of way, the story of Abraham. And the second one is this. It's the story of Isaac's son Jacob, which comes just a little bit after. And in this story, we see not only is faith deepened when we say, here I am for the Lord, but our fear, it can be overcome. Now, this encounter with the Lord took place very late in Jacob's life. And if, if you might, just to kind of give you the context, this was after Jacob had learned toward the end of Genesis that much to his surprise, his long-lost son Joseph, who was sold into slavery and he had no idea, he was told that his son was dead. He found out that his son was still alive and actually very much alive. He was in Egypt, he had be rose to power, he was second in command only to Pharaoh. And in the land of Israel, there was famine in the land. And Jacob was deliberating the wisdom of if he should leave the promised land, the land that God had promised to his family, where there would be descendants and blessings to the nations. If he should leave that land and go down to Egypt to be able to be with his son before he died. And also to be able to save his household potentially from the ravages of famine. And as an older man, Jacob had found, and maybe as you're getting older, even I'm experienced, I'm getting there, change becomes a little bit harder, right? It's not as easy, we aren't as flexible, we aren't as nimble as we used to be. And we see that Jacob was sort of at that place where he knew the journey would be hard, he was an old man, it would be arduous for him. And it's at this point in Genesis 46, we're told that Jacob took the journey to Bathsheba. So he kind of went like halfway. And there he offered sacrifices to God, the God of his fathers. And God spoke to Israel in a vision that night. And he said to him, he said, Jacob, Jacob. And Jacob answered, how did he answer? Here I am. And God said to him, I am God, the God of your father. And this is the kicker. He says, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For there I will make you into a great nation. And I myself will go down with you to Egypt. And I will bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. I just think that's a really tender moment that Jacob has with the Lord right there. Who many years earlier, if you remember, Jacob had wrestled with God. And at another time, Jacob had a dream. Jacob was a dreamer. He dreamed of a, a staircase with angels ascending and descending to heaven. And even as an old man, we see in this passage that, that Jacob was still dreaming a little bit. His dreams hadn't died, even though he was a little bit older. He was still imagining how it was that God was going to create this nation, this great nation that was promised to him 
and his family. He was dreaming about how he might take this great journey and take some risks so that his people might be saved. Now as those of us, each of us, we are made in the image of God and God is a, a creator. And I'm reminded as I, I look at Jacob's life here that I think we too are called to be dreamers. We're called to be visionaries. We're called to create by the grace of God and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit new opportunities for serving God, new ways and new angles to build his kingdom. We're called to dream up new strategies when old strategies don't work. When there's famine in the land, when there's COVID in the land, we have to pivot and create new ways to do the work that God has called us to do so that the gospel can get across in understandable ways to various kinds of people. We're called to dream, but often, like Jacob, our creativity and our dreaming, at least for me, it's, it's hindered by something called fear. Have you ever experienced the fear of stepping out in faith? I have, all the time. But what is fear? There's a definition that I like, it's an acrostic, it's up on the screen. And uh, this kind of captures it for me. Fear is false evidence appearing as real. It's often for me what fear looks like. As I think about my own fears, many of them are the result of false perceptions about my own limitations or the limitations that I set upon an almighty and all-powerful God that are not real. And they're usually combined with an inflated view of the obstacles that I thinker before me. But notice the Lord responds to Jacob's fear-filled dream to go to Egypt and see his son with those precious words, Jacob, do not be afraid. Go, I will go with you and I will bring you up again. And it's important, I think, as we look at that scripture, that there's an order to where the reassurance comes from. It wasn't until Jacob responded with those words, here I am, that the assurance that everything would be okay was offered to him. The Lord assured him that if he went to Egypt, the promise of the land, the many descendants who would bless the nations, that it wouldn't be revoked. In fact, that was part of the plan of God. And I think, truth be told, often when we find ourselves wanting to step out into faith, and we find ourselves experiencing fear, we want to have the assurance first. We want God to say, everything's going to be okay, and here's how it's going to work out, A, B, C, and, and it'll all be good. But we're reminded the scripture that God challenges us to take the step of faith first, to present ourselves to him, to say, here I am, and it's only after that that the assurances start to come. In 2008, Kelly and I, after being on the mission field for a number of years, found ourselves on another crossroads. We felt that God was calling us to form a new mission agency that would be uniquely tailored to reach the needs of youth development in the Caribbean. And that mission agency 
is now what's known as the Caribbean Youth Network, of which I'm the director. And Kelly's on staff, and the Hendricksons are on staff. And the mission team that went uh, served as missionaries with our short-term mission program. When we were deliberating and thinking about, you know, is this another step of faith that God wants us to say, here I am to? I'll confess, there was a lot of fear in me about making that decision. There was, here's a little list of things that I made that I was afraid of. I had a fear of giving up the prestige of being part of a very large and successful uh, mission that I was already a part of. I mean, who was I to say that I could do things better or more effectively than a wonderful organization that had been doing this for 50 plus years? And I had fear that giving that up would be detrimental, even though we felt like God was calling us to start something new. I had a fear that donors who were supporting us financially would no longer support us and we would be homeless. I actually had a conversation with my parents. How would you feel about us uh, moving back in if this doesn't work too well? You know? There was a fear of not being able to find more staff and that we would be living alone on a small island with a lot of coral reef and fish with no one to support and help us. And you know, the testimony of the Hendricksons is one of several uh, where that fear became unfounded. There was the fear of offending people, you know, doing something different that would, it would be offensive. There was the fear of not being able to get work permits for our new organization and, and having to make a decision of if we wanted to live illegally in another country. There was basically the fear of failing, that it would just all unravel. All the years of work would just sort of frivol off into nothing. And, and here's the thing. It's been about 15 years since then. And every one of those fears, to the T, was proved to be false evidence appearing as real. Not one of those fears were founded. That's my fear story. What's yours? Where have you seen after stepping out in faith that your fears were really unfounded? And how can that strengthen you as you face fears going forward? I wonder for you, where is God calling you like Jacob to take some creative risks in your faith? To dream dreams for the Lord and to go in spite of fear with all of your heart, even when it's a little bit scary. Now that leads to the last person that I want to share about, um, who said those words, here I am. And so we're going to jump ahead to the New Testament, and that scripture was read earlier, it's the story of Ananias. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 10 to 15, we read that there was a disciple at Damascus, and his name was Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and Ananias responded by saying what? Say it again. All right, you're still with me. And the Lord said to him, I want you to go. I want you to go to Straight Street to the house of Judas. There's a man there from Tarsus named Saul, and he's been praying. And he saw in a vision a man named Ananias. who's going to come and lay hands on him so he might receive his sight again. And I love what Ananias says. I mean, he's really honest. He says, he says Lord, I've heard many things about this man. I've learned how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority to bind all who call on your name. 
But the Lord says to him, I want you to go, for he is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Now, I, I love this story because he, God basically is sending Ananias on what seems like a suicide mission. To go and pray for a man's healing who has been ruthlessly terrorizing and imprisoning, even killing the church. And as God's instrument and his willingness to say, here I am, Ananias gets a great privilege. He gets to see the miracle of both the healing and the conversion of Saul, who became Paul. And as a result, this persecutor of the church, Saul, becomes the apostle, Paul. He becomes a missionary to the Gentiles. And he becomes the author of much of what we know now as the New Testament. Let me ask you another question. In your faith, do you want to see miracles? Do you want to see the miracles of God happening around you? I don't know about you, but... As a believer in a miracle-working God, that's one of the things that I long to see. I want to show you some pictures of a few miracles that I've seen recently. To close, here's, here's some miracles for you. This is a picture of 23 Bahamian leaders who went through a leadership certification course in Nassau with us where they became trained and equipped in youth ministry. And each of these young people uh, have a passion for the Lord and a desire to do ministry amongst their peers and amongst high school students. And each of them, in my mind, are a miracle to their country for what they are doing and will do to bring the gospel to that nation. Here's another miracle for you. These are some students who were recently baptized, who came to faith in Christ, who are saved. Um, almost all of the people in this picture are now in leadership with the Bahamas Youth Network, one of our ministry partners, and have an amazing uh, testimony to share about how God has saved them. Another miracle I could show you is the next picture. Uh, it's a little hard to see, but there's a group of people sitting in a circle, and there's a young lady on a chair. Uh, her name is Haley. Uh, Haley was a victim of Hurricane Dorian. She had to flee her house with her family. You know, the whole thing, you know, house blowing down, going through water, seeking refuge in unknown places. And her and her family, like many of the people who went through that harrowing experience, have had a lot of baggage to carry, a lot of trauma in their life. And Haley is now living in Nassau, and she's worked through much of that. And she is a leader with our ministry to high school students. And her testimony has become a source of strength for her. And she has an amazing ability to reach out to others who have been wounded, who have trauma in their life. And she is a wonderful miracle. Uh, the young man on, on, the, on my right, I, I don't know if it's your right or left, I'm not good with that stuff, but uh, his name is Bernard. Uh, Bernard, again, another challenging tragic story his mom died when he was a young boy he's a young man of Haitian descent and he has not had citizenship uh, until just recently which has created all kinds of challenges in his life um, but he's had to raise his younger brother who was only one year old at the time and he's a miracle because many young men in placed in that situation would have run 
away from the, that challenge and, and gone into other things. But Bernard has embraced it and he's become a, a, almost a parent to his younger brother. It's a beautiful thing to watch. And he loves the Lord. Right now Bernard's at Camp Bahamas, which is a camp that we partner with serving young people. Um, and he'll be doing that throughout the summer. Uh, one more uh, quick, uh, two more, but yeah, here's some little miracles. <laughs> and my head sticking in there. Uh, my son Kai's in there. This is a Sunday school class. Kelly, one of the things she did this last term, she spent uh, some time with, with another missionary that works with us developing a Sunday school curriculum for the church that we worship at. And she, they, they did a great job with that. And so we revamped post-COVID a whole new Sunday school program. And these kids are enjoying that. And each of them are learning how to love the Lord, how to worship the Lord. And uh, it's, they're just wonderful little miracles in my, in my mind. And I know in the Lord's as well. Last picture is uh, a whole bunch of young adult miracles. Uh, this is a group called G3 College and Career. And these are young adults who meet every other Sunday to encourage each other and have Bible study together. And who are, many of them are doing just incredible things in missions uh, locally and, and serving their peers and have a heart for discipleship and sharing the gospel. For me, the, the miracles of these changed lives who have responded to the Lord with their own here I am moments is what makes serving as a missionary overseas, even though it is a lot of uncertainties and a lot of frustrations, it makes it the most satisfying thing that I could ever do. And I thank Hebron Church for being a part of this missionary. I'm just one piece of a, a large puzzle that allows these kind of miracles to happen by God's grace through us. I want to close with a few application questions uh, just to give you something to think about this week. Uh, as, as you go about your day. And there are three. The first is, it's like Abraham, in what ways is God asking you to step out in faith in the unknown? Second question, like Isaac, where is God calling you to take some creative risks, to go in spite of fear with all your heart, even when it's scary? And finally, like Ananias, where might God be calling you to or sending you that seems like a hopeless cause? Who is that person? Where is that place? That you think that is an impossible, that's a suicide mission, Lord. But you know he's calling you and, and you need to say, here I am to that challenge. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, that we can deepen our faith. That we can overcome fear and we can see miracles by saying just three words. Here I am. And I pray today if there's anyone who needs to say here I am to you, Lord, and refresh or maybe for the first time step out in faith to trust you as their Lord and Savior, that they would have the courage to do that. And they would be inspired by these men of faith that we learned about today. And we thank you for the mission to the world and that Hebron is a part of that. And I pray that this church would continue to be a source of strength. Uh, for churches abroad, for ministries abroad like ours. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.